As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? So you need two million beehives in February in California. Do you know how many beehives are there all over in the U.S.? No. Almost two million. <laughs> so basically all of America's bees, or controlled bees, are taken to California over a three-week period. Exactly. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds, the top people in tech. I am throwing a curveball at you this week. So we are not going to be talking about social media or flying cars or streaming media or any of the fare that you might have come to expect from this program. Instead, we're going to be talking about bugs. Bees, in particular. Now, obviously, you listen to this program, so you are already supremely intelligent. We know that. Uh, so I'm sure that you know that bees are extremely important to just the modern food system as we know it and how we feed the 7 billion or so people on the planet. Bees pollinate a huge swathe of the crops that we eat. But of course, they are in um, some pretty dire trouble with colony collapse and all these other things going on. So I brought on the program a super interesting founder. His name is Matias Viel, and he is the founder of a company called Beeflow here in San Francisco. And believe it or not, he's effectively making bees bionic. Yeah. Now I won't get into the details here. I'll let Matias do that uh, very shortly. But suffice to say that his bees do things that other bees can't. And for you, me, and everyone else that eats food, that's a good thing. And this is another one of those that um, I guarantee you, you'll come out with two or three factoids for your next cocktail party. That'll just make you sound really smart. So that's not too bad. And just one other uh, note before we get started. I actually spoke with Matias last month. So he talks, he mentions a couple times February as if it's the future when it in fact is now. So that's why that is. So before we get to Matias, just one other thing, I would like to make a small request. Please go stop right now, go to Apple Podcasts, give a rating and review. It really, really does help. We've actually seen a little spike in numbers recently, because um, I think some of the uh, listeners out there have been doing that. So I thank you. I read all of them. I swear to you, I do. Um, they bring me great joy, usually, well, the good ones anyway. So do take a moment and do that. And that's it. I will now leave you to Matias Viel. Enjoy. Seventy percent of worldwide crops depend on bee pollination to produce fruits and seeds. 
70%. Yes, 70% of all the crops in the world. That's almost 30% of the food that we eat. Almost all the fruits and vegetables that we eat come from a tree that has flowers sometime in the year and that those flowers require that bees transport pollen from the male part of the flower to the female one in order to develop a fruit. You can add any fertilizers, pest management practices to whatever, but if those bees do not pollinate the flowers, you don't have apples, avocados, cherries, a lot of fruits. Right. So that's what's really interesting is that when people think of food or food shortages or f issues in the food chain, you always think of drought or some kind of massive weather event. But a critical part of the food chain is effectively this, these insects just going around doing this kind of unseen job. So why do they need you? Have <laughs> <laughs> they been doing this for, you know, for, for however long, for, since the beginning of time? Yeah, sure. The world has changed in the past years a lot, especially agriculture, facing a lot of challenges. Population is increasing really fast. And we are expecting that by 2050, as the World Bank is saying, we will have more than 9 billion people in this planet, and that will represent like 70% increase of food demand. So we're having a challenge as humanity. We're facing some, some difficulties in terms of increasing crop yields in a sustainable way to feed that planet. What we found at BeeFlow is that bee pollination in general is a very important topic in plant biology, was underestimated by the agriculture industry. Because a couple of years ago, you went everywhere to a field out of the city and you, you saw plenty of bees and different bee species. There are thousands of bee species in this world, but usually people think about just one bee species that is the Apis mellifera, that is the honeybee. But what happened in the last years and decades is that with all the improvements in terms of monoculture production of, of food or different pest management practices, what happened is that all those places, uh, all those fields and acres that were planted, started to, f to see a decrease on, on bee population on some of, of those bee species. So because of that, beekeepers that a couple of decades ago just were raising bees to produce honey, they started finding that farmers were needing more bees that they had in nature because agriculture changed in so many ways, we took away a lot of wild forests and landscape where those bees were living and building their homes. So because we replaced those places with almond trees, for example, in California, bees were not more present there, and they required those bees for pollination. So the, the beekeeping industry did a kind of a turnover and started to to build a new business by providing a pollination service to the farmer by renting their bees instead of producing honey. So California almonds is a yeah. huge business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know what the, I can't remember what the figure is, but something, some amazing percentage of all the world's almonds or America's almonds come from California. Yeah, more than 80%. 80%? Yeah. Of America's or the world's? Of the world's. Okay, come from California. Yes. So this is a multi-billion dollar industry. More than $5 billion. Okay. So it's a $5 billion a year dollar industry. I presume that's happened relatively recently. And I, so I would imagine that a lot of fields have been converted to almond groves, etc. 
is it basically like building a field and then being like, okay, we've got to irrigate it. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. But the one critical part was we, now we don't have enough bees to basically make these trees productive. Exactly. How quickly did that happen or when did that evolution take place? Animal industry started a couple of decades ago. Now, as you're saying, because the world is, is turning into more healthy diets and, and the almond by itself is a really healthy we drink uh, almond milk now in our house, yeah. which we never did before. It's very exactly. good. And that's getting massive all mm-hmm. over the world, right? So you need more almonds. Right now in California, there are more than one million acres of almond trees. And that's crazy. Wow. You just drive south from San Francisco to L.A. and you see plenty of almond trees. Since that started to happen and farmers realized that they could make more profit from the almond industry instead of the dairy business that happened in California a couple of years ago, they all turned into almonds. And what had happened and that generated is that there was an over an excess of demand of bees to pollinate those trees. And what happens is that all those trees bloom at the same time, and that's February. So what that is meaning is that you need millions and millions of bees to pollinate all those acres. So what is happening today in California is that beekeepers from all over the country are moving beehives in large tracks to pollinate the almond trees. They are just starting to move all their beehives right now. Bloom is starting in early February. So there's a lot of beekeepers coming into California to make a lot of money from renting their boxes of bees to farmers. So the bee rental business. Can you, <laughs> do you know like the economics? Like if I, if I have a big sure. almond grove, how long do I need to rent bees for and what does it cost? So the bloom in the almond season is, is quite short compared to other crops. It depends on the variety, but they can go between two and three weeks. That means that the, the tree has flowers for two and three weeks and they require bees for that window. Usually starts on February 15th, in average. It depends on where in California. Mm-hmm. And they require two beehives per acre. Each beehive, in average, has between thirty and 50,000 bees inside. So you can do the math yeah. later. But each beehive has that population, and you need two beehives per acre for one million acres. So you need two million beehives in February in California. Do you know how many beehives are there all over in the U.S.? No. Almost 2 million. <laughs> so basically all of America's bees, or controlled bees, are taken to California over a three-week period. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. And can you think how sustainable is that for biodiversity? For, yeah. for all the flowers, all the wildflowers that develop fruits and the birds eat those fruits. Can you think which is the impact on, on no. It's huge. So, and what is a so? If I'm in the bee business, is yeah. this an amazing boon for me? Like, what do I, how much do I rent my bees for? Hmm. So, beehive prices have increased sharply in the last five years, and the reason is because there is a shortage of bees. Right. If you need two million beehives, and there are almost two million beehives in the U.S., that is meaning that not all the beehives are being moved to California because not all the beekeepers are willing yeah. to do so. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, it was just $20 per beehive, and now it's 
above two hundred dollars per. Ten bucket. times as much. Yeah. Wow. And a couple of years ago, farmers didn't pay nothing to beekeepers because they had a lot of bees in there. Right. But when beekeepers start to think, okay, these guys need bees, and I have those bees, and I know how to raise them. What if I start charging them some money? They started with 20 for a season, then 40, 50, 200. They paid because if they don't have bees, they don't have almonds. That's crazy. So to bee flow, how are you making these bees more effective? Like, what's the, what, do you, what does your company do? Yeah. So our company is trying to improve what we call pollination efficiency. So there are some challenges and inefficiencies that are happening during pollination. For example, uh, cold temperatures are affecting bees' behavior. Bees usually start working after 55 degrees Fahrenheit, usually. Right. If it's colder early in the morning, they do not work. They don't, don't get out of their they beehive. S- they, they stay in bed. Yeah. And sometimes, because the pollination window and the blooming period on almond trees is so short, that if, you, if of those 15 days, you have five cold days, really cloudy, those bees do not work well, and you will have a bad crop. So that's one of the inefficiencies that we are trying to solve. We have developed some technologies One of them is an organic molecule compound that we feed the bees with to improve and enhance their immune system. We found that there is a strong relationship between how strong their immune system is and how they perform under cold temperatures. We did some trials in Argentina in the last three years, and we did a trial past season in California, close to Fresno in Hanford. And we found that by feeding bees with our compounds, we could make those bees work better under cold temperatures. They could start work starting at 45 degrees Fahrenheit. At our bees were doing seven times more flights below 55 degrees Fahrenheit that control bee- bees that right. were not fed with our compounds. How do you know? Do you have like little bee trackers that you affix to the bees? or No, you, you just can count bees getting out of beehive. Instead of a beehive, you, you see the entrance and you can count how many bees are getting getting back with pollen in their body from one minute at different times in the day right. and different temperatures. And you have a big sample of treated beehives with your compound. Other beehives are And so with this with compound, this. what is it? Is it just like a, is it like a syrup or something? Or? It's kind of a syrup that we add. Beekeepers usually use a sugar syrup to feed their bees. And we add these compounds to that syrup to make that kind of a super syrup. Right, right. right. Bionic that has, bees. That has some key molecules that we found that are related to, to their immune system. So it's like giving them like a super-duper multivitamin. In some way, yes. But that's not the only thing we do, actually. Right. So what else do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we are training bees. Have you heard about the Pavlov theory of conditioning? The yeah, one yeah, the, yeah, and the dog starts salivating when it hears the bell. Yeah. yeah. So we do the same with bees. Actually, what do you mean? We found that there are some crops like blueberries mm-hmm. that have another challenge besides temperatures and cold temperatures. They have a challenge because blueberry flowers do not produce that much nectar. You know, flowers have nectar and pollen, yeah. and bees get out of the beehive to look for pollen and nectar to produce honey. That is their food. Right. They don't pollinate because they want the farmer to get almonds. Yeah. They just go for pollen and nectar. And without being conscious, they transfer pollen from right. between flowers and they pollinate the crop. 
But when bees get out of their beehive and look for pollen and nectar, they look for nectar in the flowers and they choose the flowers that produce more nectar to get the most efficient uh, flight and get the biggest amount of resources they can get from that flight to maximize energy and and everything. Bees are really intelligent insects. They are studied as well as ants as one of the most intelligent insects. There's several researchers working on this. So what we found is that we, there are some challenges on blueberry crops because bees do not like that much blueberry flowers. And if you place a beehive in a blueberry field, but your neighbor has orange trees, mm. those bees are going to the orange trees because orange trees bloom at the same time as blueberry flowers. And they're better. It's yeah. like putting like an all-you-can-eat buffet next to, I don't know, a salad bar. Yeah. So bees can fly up to one mile to go for other resources if they don't like the resources they have close. Right. So that is happening, and we found a way to solve it. We are conditioning bees' memory to pollinate a specific target crop. How? By feeding them with some specific compounds together with this syrup that Mm -hmm. beekeepers use. And these compounds have some key molecules that are found in the flowers that we want them to pollinate. The blueberry flowers, for example. Exactly. Uh So we analyze the chemical composition of those flowers. We understand their volatile composition. Volatiles are some molecules that make those flowers smell in a particular way. And sometimes humans don't identify particular smells, but, yeah. but insects do. So we analyze that and we build a compound that we add to this syrup. So this syrup is food for the bees, but have a specific odor that is found in the flowers. It's like a, it's so like, that recompense um, of the dog with yeah. the bell, ringing the bell and feeding that dog it's the same as giving this smell and feeding them with right. syrup. So when they go outside the beehive, they think that after f- looking for that smell, they would get food. So if you put them in a blueberry field next to an orange field, to be like, mm, I re- recognize this scent. I'm going to go for that. Yeah. Bees' memory lasts between 13 and 15 days. We, we partnered with a scientist. His name is Dr. Walter Farina. He has been studying bees' brain for the last... More than 15 years, I think so. He's been studying uh, bees' brains. Bees' brains, neurons, <laughs> how they learn right. things, how they communicate each other, right. how their memory works, how many days their memory lasts. Right. So we feed bees with these compounds every two weeks. If we have a, a, a bloom like blueberry blooms that is like one month, so we just feed those bees twice a month. And we see that the amount of pollen that they are getting from the pollination is from blueberries. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you grow up on a farm? Not really. <laughs> so how did you get involved with this? My passion is, is entrepreneurship. I started business administration in Buenos Aires. I built a company before uh, related to the automotive industry. Nothing to do with bees. What was it? And agriculture. It was a company uh, in Brazil. We were trying to copy Trucar. Trucar is, is a big company here in the U.S. that sells cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it has all the, like, the information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. what we usually do in Argentina or in Latin America is we try to see which are the business models that work in the U.S. or Europe, and we try to copy them to Latin America. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but in this, in this opportunity, it, it didn't work. So we tried to copy Trucar, and unfortunately, we were trying to raise a Series A round in one of the most bad times for the Brazilian economy in the last decade that was... In 2015, 16, and there was an impeachment for, for the president right. by that time. So nobody wanted to invest in a startup in Brazil by that time. So yeah. we, unfortunately, we had to shut down the company. So I started to, to look for new opportunities, and, and I realized that I wasn't that passionate about selling cars, that I was passionate about building new things and having the opportunity to take my own decisions. Yeah. And I, I was passionate about working maybe 15 hours a day with a great team and build that team and have, ha- having the, the independence of taking decisions. So I, I remember I read a book about exponential organizations, like trying to impact pe- more than 1 billion people. And I started yeah. to think, what if I, instead of use 15 hours a day to sell cars, try to build a company that if it works, it might generate a big impact to the world. So I started thinking on, on big challenges that, that the, we are facing as humanity. And I met with one, one guy. His name is Matias, as well as myself, uh, <laughs> Matias Peire. He's from Argentina. And he told me that he has been, for the last three years, doing research, trying to map all the research projects that were developed at several universities and also the National Council of Science in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And he, he had this great idea of, what if I put all those researchers together with business people and use that deep knowledge they have developed for decades Mm -hmm. uh, into a product or a service that can impact people's lives. Because what happens sometimes in academia is that researchers spend a lot of time doing research and they publish that research in a scientific journal and maybe their their biggest motivation is, is doing so. But sometimes that knowledge is not getting into people's lives and yeah. is not impacting the world in, in, in a good way. So he found that Argentina has a special opportunity. We have the most amount of, in terms of quantity of researchers uh, per, per capita in, in Latin America. We have a huge amount of, of researchers there. And there's a big opportunity for, for building bridges between academia and the private sector. Right. So he introduced me to several researchers, and I started having coffees with really smart people that I couldn't understand how, for example, they spent 15 
years studying bees' brain, and that knowledge wasn't being used by nobody. And, and food production for me is, was a challenge that I, yeah. I, I was willing to try to understand how to, to add something to that. So I started to think about bees and trying to understand how pollination was being managed in Argentina and in the U.S. Uh, after getting into, into IndieBio, this biotech accelerator program that yeah. has, is happening in San Francisco, we found that in the U.S., as well as in, as well as in Argentina, farmers have no idea about pollination. Right. They are managing pollination in the same way they did in the last century. So how did you end up here at IndieBio on this very dodgy street in San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> it was just a crazy idea I had in mind. Together with my partners, Dr. Pedro Neri and Dr. Agustin Saez, Pedro has a PhD on bees immune system, and Agustin has a PhD on bee pollination. Both of them are biologists. We were working in Argentina on, I remember it was, it was September, and we were working at the apple pollination in mm. south in Patagonia. I remember hearing about Indibio. I, I knew from before, before starting Beeflow that California has the largest market in the world of crops that depend on bee pollination, mostly because of almonds. Right. So right. I found this great idea of, hey, these guys are in San Francisco, that's California. Uh, what if we find what to do on the off-season? Because agriculture business, like climate, is affecting. So north yeah. and south hemisphere, we were about to end in December, the season. Yeah. And my question was, okay, what are we going to work on from January until July? We have to think in north hemisphere, and California is our market. Right. So let's apply to Inibayo and see if we have luck there. There's no Argentinians that has, has participated at Inibayo, so it was a crazy idea. And they were like, are you sure? Like, yeah. We don't have a chance to get accepted. Yeah. But yeah, we, we applied. We had some really good conversations with, with Arvind, June, Alex, Prakshid, all the IndieBio team. We got accepted. When you get accepted, you get some, they give you some money? Or is it just like space here to kind of experiment and meet people and stuff? Hmm. No, they, they gave they gave you they, they gave you money. They invest two hundred fifty thousand dollars right on each company. It's two hundred thousand dollars in cash and fifty thousand dollars in kind. Right. Um. So yeah, they gave you they gave they gave us that that money on all this space. A really nice lab to work on. From here, we 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 started meeting with large farming companies. Uh, in the almond industry, also in the berry industry. Mm. And we started asking how they were managing pollination and if they were aware of all these inefficiencies that we've talked about. And they told us, like, yeah, we're aware of them, but we have no idea how to solve them. Can you so, help us? Yeah, so going back to that point around what bees cost today, is the idea that your super bees, you will need less of them to do the same job? Is that the idea? Maybe, or you will use the same bees, but those bees will increase your crop yield substantially. Right. Before applying to Edibio, we've done several trials with almost nine of the largest farming companies in Argentina on almonds, blueberries, apples, and kiwi fruit. Mm -hmm. And on those trials, we compared our management on pollination towards conventional pollination, and we have increased between 20 to 90% crop yields. Wow. So it 
the data we we apply to IndieBio saying, hey guys, we've done this in Argentina. Right. It's really promising we think so because we are still surprised on, you know, increasing 22% crop yields to a blueberry grower means a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because a new fertilizer in average increases between 3 and 5% and large companies invest millions of dollars to get one new fertilizer into the market. Yeah. And just by understanding better bees' biology and how they interact with flowers, we were increasing 20%. So for us, it's, it's kind of a, a big opportunity we are trying to pursue. And, and we seriously believe that agriculture has forgotten agriculture industry has forgotten one of the most important topics in plant biology that is pollination it's right. just by understanding what are those insects doing and how they interact with the flowers how much pollen are, are they delivering to the flowers and how is that affecting the size of the fruit right are there any because people always get a bit jittery when you talk about biotechnology and applying it to food yeah because this sounds like you have organic compounds that you are feeding them and you're improving their immune system and changing the way they behave. But is there, are there other concerns that you have to think about, about, I don't know if you're actually changing biology or how these, you know, any fundamentals about bees, these insects, and what effects that might have hmm. when they're out in the world? No, we, we found actually that, you know, the very beginning of this, of this company started with, the conversation I had with Pedro, with one of my partners, he has been studying bees' immune system and bees' health for, for, for a couple of years. And his main uh, purpose uh, while doing research was trying to understand how he can reduce and help to reduce bee population decline in the world. There are several reasons that are making bees die. And one of those is their immune system and what is happening to that. So one of the compounds we are feeding the bees has been found and discovered by Pedro while he was doing his PhD. And he was trying to look for a key molecule or some key molecules that could reduce bee population decline. So he started doing research in, in the lab, then taking these molecules to the field. And he found that these molecules not only enhance bees' immune system, but during winter, at least the worst time in the year, where bees do not survive mostly, mm. he could reduce with these molecules up to 70% of bee population loss inside of a beehive. Wow. So after this finding, this technology was patented. And then when we started talking after that happened, uh, we started thinking, okay, what's the biggest impact we can do with this technology? What if we build a company that sells these compounds to the beekeepers? Are we going to solve the problem in the world? Or we need to think bigger right. because there are sprays happening during bloom that are killing bees as well. So if we have the, the best immune system that, yeah. that a bee can have, but the farmer sprays something, they will kill them anyway. Yeah. So we need to, and what is happening like while they're spraying? So pollination is happening there so yeah. we need to start thinking on pollination and not on, on bees, bees health only right. so when we work with farmers because we are measuring pollination and demonstrating them the impact that bee pollination can generate in crop yields and how much money they earn they are starting slow but starting to change the way 
they are spraying their crops, being more conscious about how much money they lose if some bees die. Right. What is happening with bee populations? They are dying, actually. Like, according to the USDA, last year, not on, on 2016, beekeepers lost 40% of their beehives in average. That can't be sustainable. Was that just one, uh, one particularly horrible year? Or is that... No, it, it's been happening since some big events that happened with some, something that is called colony collapse disorder that happened almost a decade ago where beekeepers started finding that they were losing a lot of bees every season. Right. And that is still happening. And is, that, is it understood and, why? Not really. Of course, pest management is a reason. Right. If farmers do not take care of those bees, they kill them all. And we've seen that. We've seen beehives being spread with insecticides. And then you open that box of bees and you see 50,000 bees die right. in death. Yeah, right? So the research community that is studying bees' health uh, has put some focus on that. And there's a lot of government programs trying to support researchers to understand better what is happening because there can be a disaster on, on food production worldwide. Well, yeah, if it, just logically, if that continues to happen, there'll be a food production crisis, no? Yeah. You have to remember that today there are almost 1 million acres, but the next year there will be 1 million, 100,000 acres, right. and trees are still being planted every day because food demand is increasing. Right. So when did you arrive here in San Francisco? I arrived um, last December, December 2017, actually. So just over a year you've been here. Yeah, but I had to go back to Argentina, and then I came back. Uh, visa issues, I imagine. <laughs> I know how yeah. it goes. Yeah, um, more visa issues. <laughs> but I, I got it. Well, good, good. Congrats. It's, that's a hard thing to do these days. How is the reception amongst the farming community? I mean, because I imagine if the technology works... I don't know if the biggest challenge is actually making enough of this stuff or it's more about getting people to buy it. Hmm. I think we're having the same challenges we had in the very beginning in Argentina where in some way farmers are in the beginning skeptical about what we tell them. Yeah. Like, are you guys training bees? Like, is that real? How do you guys do that? 20%, 20% you, you change the industry. That happened in Argentina. I remember a talk with, with a blueberry grower. He told me, if you guys increase just 10% of the blueberry production here in Argentina, you change the industry. That happened. So today right. we are facing challenges on skepticism around farmers and pollination. The reason is because they have been thinking on pollination in the same way for decades. So if there is a small grower that that his father was also growing almonds and he managed pollination the same way and nobody talked to them about a different way to manage pollination. It's like, okay, you are from Argentina. Why you came here and you're yeah. cha- trying to change the way? Uh, right. Right? So, Who are you to tell me how to do my business kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when we start asking questions, like, for example, do you measure pollination? First answer, no. So if you don't measure it, how do you know you cannot improve it? You right. measure nutrients in the soil to take the decision on how much fertilizer you will apply. If you do not measure pollination and 
pollination is key for your trees to reproduce. How do you know you cannot improve it? Right. And then second question is, are you having challenges with bad weather during pollination? Yes. Do you remember any season where you had a bad crop and it was cold during pollination? Yes. Have you seen those bees work less? Yes. Right. Are you interested in seeing those bees work better? Let's try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, right now we're trying to, to build all the data that we build in Argentina on crop yields increase with, with some of the largest farming companies in the U.S. that are willing to, to innovate in this topic because they, they understand that there might be a world of opportunities in pollination ba- because they underestimated this topic. How many people is Beeflow right now? Is it three of you? It's Basically. five, actually. Five. So there's five of you. Yeah. You've already proved this in Argentina. And you're talking about, as you say, if you're improving yields even by 20%, that is a industry-altering improvement. Why are you here at IndieBio? Why are you not like, go down the road to SoftBank and get a check for $200 million or whatever it may be? Because it does feel like if it's all there, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to raise just you know, an unthinkable amount of money and actually just really go for this and get scale quickly? Good question. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I think the reason I'm in IndieBio right now when we're talking here is because I like the IndieBio people a lot. Mm -hmm. They have been so helpful in the last months, not only in terms of introducing us to investors or introducing us to farming companies. They've been helpful also in the, in the human, as, as human beings and helping support how tough it is to build a company from scratch. Yeah. And how tough it is to build a company in a country you were not born and raised and where you have different challenges. Of course, I, I spent a lot of time traveling. I was... This week, I just arrived yesterday from yeah. from a trip in Los Angeles area, meeting with the largest berry grower in the world. And we started yesterday uh, to work with them on a big trial uh, that if we find some good results there, it's going to be game-changing for the entire berry industry in the world. So right. I, I travel a lot. Right. You, just found he, you just found me here I in know, San Francisco. I know. It was, but very, I, it was very it, hard it, to it, schedule this, I know. So yeah. I know you're, you're not here very much. Yeah, but yeah, I think I was thinking yesterday when I was driving here, it was rainy, like it yeah, rained a lot. it was terrible. I was, I was thinking, I, I think I should start counting how much miles I drive in because it's crazy. But it's, it's building a business. It's, it's trying to, to, to seek for opportunities and getting traction and demonstrating those investors that you were talking about that this is working. And right. in Argentina, we have customers. And we have customers that have paid us more than one season, that they're, they're coming season they're coming after back. season. Yeah. So that means that they like it. But for some investors in, in the U.S. mostly, that's not <laughs> enough. Right. They want to see it here happen. We don't care. We will make it happen. And right. there's a big, I think there's a big demonstration in us that, that the largest farming companies in the world are, are starting to work with us. And they're, they're choosing Beeflow at the compa- as the company that can improve the pollination at their fields. That's a big deal for us. And we're, we're proud of, of it. Yeah. Although it's a lot of hassle and hard work. I can imagine. Because we're a few people. Yeah. I must say I was surprised when I came 
back because I was living in London for a long time and I moved back to California two years ago. And this is the place where all of this produce is grown. But it's super expensive. And I don't know if that's partly to the point around, you know, the increased costs around bees and everything else, but it does feel like this, you know, it's not like it's being shipped very far, but it feels like it's dramatically more expensive than what I would pay in in London, for example, where it is ha- does have to be shipped very far. Yes. And there are some challenges the U.S. is facing, I think, for example, on, on labor costs, mm. because all these fruits and vegetables are mostly harvested by people. By hand, um, right. Yeah. The agriculture industry just starting kind of a new revolution uh, on technology and, and innovation. Yeah, I came across a company called Abundant, Ro- Abundant Robotics. Yeah. Have you seen them? The apple picking robot? Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, but, but it, takes, it takes a while yeah. to, to make that happen and work. I met some of them, and, and yeah. they are still doing research yeah. because it's not that easy to replace human behavior with a robot. Uh, yeah. Although it's, it's it's worth it to invest time and money on, yeah. on, on trying to solve it. Yeah, I, I would like that. Like people uh, when they go to a grocery store, start thinking on on bees more than they think today. Like yeah, well, the people don't think about yeah. that. Right and now. what they don't realize is that you know what when you see a, a strawberry that is small or is is strange in the in the, their shape, that's because of pollination. If you see a small apple versus a big apple, that's because of pollination. Because more pollen being deposited in that apple flower mm. means more seeds, and more seeds means larger fruits. So when you see a big blueberry or a small blueberry, that's because of bees, actually. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a strong relationship between bees and, and crop yields and food production that usually people aren't aware of. And I think if we, we all as humanity start thinking and, and putting more importance on, on how important they are for food production and all the challenges we're facing in the next years, I think that will be nice to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that is all the time we have. I wanted to thank Matthias for sitting down i mean uh we ha- it took us a long time to do that every time we tried to coordinate something he's out in some farm somewhere or down in la or somewhere in the middle of nowhere so glad we got to do it um i hope you dug it and as i mentioned last week i'm actually on vacation this week so nothing in the paper for me but i am at least a little bit on social media while i am off on twitter at Danny Fortson. You can also email me danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk That's it. Until next week, I hope you have a fabulous weekend and we will talk soon. Bye-bye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 